In today's episode, we welcome our esteemed, the lovely guest, Dr. Sarah Berta, who is joining us all the way from the UK. Hello. Thank you, Rashida. Thank you, Rashida. Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you today? I'm very fine. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, doing good. It's a Saturday, it's a weekend, and now feeling the good right? Yeah, some, some time for self-care as well. <laughs> that's, uh, that's an important thing. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's all about the self-care. Mm. Uh, so today uh, we will just continue uh, with the um, depression theme or topic, let's say. And today we'll be discussing how to support a partner with depression. And yes. Dr. Uh, we already discussed uh, in the previous episode about what depression is and, and so on and so forth. Uh, we would like to have maybe a short reminder of what we discussed. Maybe someone who did not catch up with the previous episode will have uh, a brief idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I will uh, definitely mention briefly um, about uh, depression, but uh, as you as you said, uh, we've spoke about it in quite uh, detail in our previous episode. So I would definitely recommend to everyone uh, who would like to know more about depression, about the symptoms, and also about the mechanism um, behind the depression, which is actually a very important part um, to know, especially if someone has a partner or spouse with depression then I would definitely recommend our previous episodes because we um, covered all those parts um, quite uh, quite well. So today I will just uh, briefly mention some things about depression uh, just to, um, to those who maybe didn't have um, an opportunity to listen to our previous podcasts. But um, as you said, today I will be um, pretty much focusing on how to support your partner or your spouse. And that is also applicable to other family members so that you can um, also think about maybe a sibling or, or uh, your close friend. Um, how to support those people who have been diagnosed with depression and who are either close to you or, or you live with them, like with your partner or a spouse. So that will be the, uh, the main uh, topic of uh, today's podcast. Um, okay, so um, just to briefly um, remind uh, everyone, uh, depression is a very common illness uh, these days, and it affects both men and women. So it doesn't really discriminate in terms of gender, it doesn't discriminate in terms of age, uh, but uh, one thing that is quite important in every um, every geographical place in the world and also in every age group, it is actually more women than men uh, that are diagnosed with depression. So in a way, it looks that women are more susceptible, but it doesn't necessarily be about that. It can be also about uh, women being more um, willing to actually contact a doctor, for example, when they feel that something is uh, going on with them. Because men, for cultural reasons, are supposed to be always strong. That's pretty much in every culture in the world. Uh, So for men, it can also be more difficult to actually spot that what is happening to them can be depression. 
and they are maybe not that willing as women to um, actually admit that, well, I need help, I need to go to a doctor with my condition. So um, probably that, uh, that difference between the genders can be actually linked to that. Uh, but nevertheless, um, as I said, both women and men are affected. And um, the WHO data shows that um, depression is an illness that um, for now concerns um, more than 264 million people worldwide. So if you think about this number, that's, um, well, that's 260-something million people uh, around the world who suffer from depression, that's quite, um, quite a common illness. Mm -hmm. As we said, so it's, um, well, because it's been such a taboo topic for um, quite a long time, like any other mental um, condition or mental um, health challenges, um, depression is only now being uh, brought um, as a t topic which is not that stigmatized as it was before, but nevertheless, there is still quite a lot of stigma um, related to depression and other mental health challenges, both in uh, the Western world and um, Asia uh, or Africa, that uh, doesn't really um, differ too much. There are some differences, of course, um, in some uh, regions in, um, in the world. Um, people are more acknowledging that talking about depression is okay than in some other regions, but nevertheless, people don't really tend to talk about their ma mental health challenges um, like they talk about the weather, right? Or about like some other things that are not really uh, concerning them personally, right? So, um, it's uh, I, topic. Yeah. Um, although there's a lot of work that is being done in terms of awareness, um, whether in campaigns or even in movies, nowadays we see a lot of is bringing um, some sort of like awareness by you know integrating some themes or topics related to mental health uh, to normalize the illness in certain mm -hmm. regions or parts of the world. How to say taboo and stigma attached to mental illness, um, but it's it's getting better and better. Mm -hmm. We continue. Yes, exactly. And that's why we also uh, want to bring awareness in this uh, particular podcast, because, um, well, we both think that it's very important um, to know what depression is and uh, how to care about yourself when you have depression and also about those who are very close to you and may suffer from depression. And um, depression it's uh, not only a common illness, but um, in some cases, depression can be a fa fatal illness. And that's uh, due to some of the symptoms that are specific for depression. And I particularly think here about uh, the recurrent thoughts of death, um, also suicidal ideation, um, suicidal um, planning, planning for committing suicide, and then uh, the last step here for some people who have been diagnosed with depression is a suicide attempt. And unfortunately, in many cases, um, suicide attempt is, so to say, successful. 
and the person uh, may die, right? And uh, of course, not necessarily each and every suicide is related to depression because there might be some other underlying um, issues like some um, personality disorder maybe within um, that is intertwined maybe with depression or something else. But nevertheless, um, around 800,000 uh, people around the world, and that's again the WHO data, um, they die due to suicide every year around the world, right? So um, that's, uh, that's quite the sad um, aftermath of, uh, of being diagnosed with depression for many people. And uh, also suicide, um, if you don't know, it's the second top cause of death for people between the age of 15 and 29. So if you think about this age group, it's um, people who are entering their adult life, uh, people who are uh, young adults, and among them suicide is the second top cause of death. So that's um, quite a scary thing. And that's why... Um, yeah, that's why all those topics should be more normalized, as you said. Uh, they should not be regarded as something which is a taboo or that stigmatizes uh, the person who is depressed or the person who has suicidal thoughts. Or um, Because that's uh, if you don't speak about that, if you don't care about um, those people who are suffering from depression, um, for some of them, their illness may end up even in death. So that's good to be aware of that and also have the awareness why it is so important to, to bring um, more understanding to the topic of depression and also other mental health challenges. Indeed, the, the numbers are scary. And as you said, I hope both of us, I mean, will contribute even in a small amount to change the idea about mental illness, mental health issues and to participate even with the smallest parts to change or to break the stigma that is attached to mental health is really saddening to really i mean as you said to read about the data and the number so i mean we all know that adulthood mm -hmm. we come with you know multiple uh let's say challenges and I think the more, as you said, the more we talk about this topic, the more there is a chance that to normalize uh, any kind of like mental challenge that people will be facing. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, and with depression, it's also important to be able to differentiate it from, for example, common sadness or um, high-functioning depression, as we spoke in detail in our previous episodes, because it's a completely different thing if someone is just um, just sad because something happened in their life, there was some uh, life event uh, that was very challenging and they reacted with sadness, but that's something which would go away sooner or later. But with depression, it's uh, completely different. Depression is not a common sadness. Depression is an illness. Uh, that has its um, its uh, roots in um, how our body uh, works. It's basically, as we also spoke, it's about the neurotransmitters in the brain. It's about all those 
mechanisms that uh, regulate our mood. So that's a, that's a very um, complex issue. Um, and depression, um, the first thing to understand depression is to know the symptoms and also be able to differentiate it from just normal sadness, so to say. Um, and that's especially because depression uh, is becoming more commonly diagnosed these days. And of course, there is a variety of reasons for that. One thing that we could think about this, um, the changing life circumstances. Um, our life 30 years ago or even 20 years ago, it wasn't necessarily that hectic as it has become in, in the recent years. So that's, that can be like one of the reasons why more and more people are actually suffering from depression, um, fatigue, which is one of the symptoms, um, and everything else that is, uh, that is uh, common for, uh, for depression, right? So, mm -hmm. But uh, then on the other hand, also, as it becomes uh, less of a taboo topic, more people are willing to go and look for help if they feel that something is happening to them which wasn't happening before. Um, so that can be another reason, and probably there are some other ones that we could uh, think about. But because depression is becoming a more and more common illness, there is actually a high chance that everyone among us, those who are listening to this podcast, at some point of their lives may face a situation that they will have to support someone close to them who has depression, for example, their partner, but it can also be a sibling or maybe a close friend. But uh, that's what uh, that's what is actually quite um, quite possible these days. Yes, and uh, to not feel that we are standing only on the sideline, frustrated. We don't know what to do. You are here today with us, and exactly. here we are to help us understand what we should do and how to do it because there is a lot of misinformation, and maybe sometimes we. Um, try to act out of a good place from a good intention but actually sometimes those acts bring more hurt into the relationship or to this person diagnosed with depression rather than bring comfort and just help so in order to avoid all these misconceptions or avoid the mistake although sometimes we try to we try as I said from a good place with a good intention but because we are not that much educated, because we don't have the information, um, we tend to act, as I said, but sometimes it backfires. So to avoid all this, we are here today to help us understand what we should do. What are the kind of like simple acts that we need to understand uh, in order to as you had support either partner or sibling or anyone that is close to us with depression. Yes, as you said, um, lots of people uh, they have good intentions, but uh, not everything that they do to support their partner or other close person with depression is actually um, bringing productivity to the to the situation, so to say. And it's also important to acknowledge that uh, for a person who struggles for uh, struggles from depression, receiving support from 
a partner, from a spouse or from other family members or friends is actually a very, very important part of the healing process. It's a very important part of the whole recovery. But um, if you have listened to our podcast before, especially the one about the symptoms, uh, you may know that uh, because of the nature of this illness and the symptoms, um, depression actually puts a great toll on the relationships uh, that a depressed person uh, has in their lives, including the one with uh, their spouse or a partner. And uh, also at the same time, because of um, such symptoms like, symptoms like, for example, withdrawal um, and significant impairment, in uh, social functioning, which is, um, well, depression is all about significant impairments, as we spoke in our previous episodes. It's about our social life, our uh, occupational life, and also other areas of um, daily functioning. So because of this impairment, um, the person, uh, it's never that it's only the person who's diagnosed with depression is struggling with the illness it's also all the other people that interact uh, with this person on a daily basis so while well, the first uh, first person would, to think about uh, would be a partner or, or a spouse or maybe also even children um, so the whole family um, is affected by um, this illness and in terms of its consequences um, so that's um, that's why it is uh, important to also look at depression from this side, that it does not only affect the person uh, who is diagnosed, but it also affects all the other people that interact with them on a daily basis and definitely those who live with them in the same apartment or, or the same house. So knowing how to support a partner or a spouse with depression when they are battling their illness, and also what not to do, uh, how not to support, um, support, you know, like, uh, so to say support, but what are the things that we shouldn't actually be telling to people who are struggling with depression? That's very important um, because, as I said, um, supporting your close ones in their recovery is very important. So um, like the first thing that you can do when your partner is uh, suffering from depression, that you suspect they may have depression or maybe they've already been diagnosed uh, with depression. So the first thing is to learn more about depression as an illness. And if you haven't yet done so, then definitely pay attention to um, this point because um, being able to recognize the symptoms of depression in the behavior of your spouse or a partner and having the awareness that some things that they are doing or saying uh, or they are not doing or not saying that this can result or they result from the illness and they are not necessarily in any way related to um, the attitude that your partner has towards you or it's not related to the fact that they are not um, uh, investing in the relationship anymore. So that's why you should uh, know what depression is, what are the symptoms, um, what are the manifestations of depression and also 
the whole mechanism behind it. Because once you understand that uh, depression is an illness as any other illness, because it has its roots in how our body um, functions, how our brain functions, then you will start looking at depression more as any other uh, illness like diabetes, for example, or, um, or endometriosis or something like that. Um, so because of that, it's also um, less stigmatized um, in your own head. So being able to differentiate between depression and um, being um, knowledgeable about the mechanism be behind uh, the whole illness is quite important uh, because when you have this knowledge, you will not tend to trivialize the symptoms or you will not patronize your partner, for example, by giving them useless advice. Um, but I will also talk a bit later when, when I will focus on what not to do. But um, Pretty often people tell people with depression that they should get themselves together or they should stop uh, thinking negatively, they should stop being pessimistic. And uh, this kind of advice doesn't really help. And um, when you know what's the mechanism um, behind depression, um, then you become aware why this kind of advice is useless. And that's pretty much because it ignores the whole nature of depression. So definitely learn more about this condition and be aware what are the symptoms and also um, be aware what's the mechanism behind it. And then um, another thing that you can do to support your partner who has been diagnosed with depression is to be empathetic. And for a person with depression, it is very important that they feel that their partner or also other people that are close to them, like friends or family members, but they at least make the effort to understand what the person diagnosed with depression feels. Of course, it's not fully possible for someone who has never ever had depression to understand how a person who is depressed feels, but nevertheless, they can still make the effort and try to understand that. So, um, for example, people with depression, they don't really want to be told things like that thing, everything will be better tomorrow, or as I said, that they should end uh, with their pessimistic outlook on life, um, because this kind of advice doesn't, um, doesn't correspond with the nature of the illness, so to say, and it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So, um, no, it's so that's, you know, things using, like, as you said, being empathetic means maybe just I'm here for you. What can I do to help? You know. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's about that. Uh, but uh, also, you can be a bit more specific here, um, because well, what can I do to help is a pretty general question. And well, the person who is depressed, who is withdrawn, may not be that willing to you know answer that, but. You can, uh, as a partner, uh, as a spouse, um, you can, for example, ask your partner with depression, um, like questions like, for example, can you help me to understand how you feel or how are you feeling now? Um, so that's uh, that's something that is, you know, more specific and probably easier to answer. 
especially for a person who um, who is depressed. Um, but that also shows that you care and you want to understand what they are feeling. And another thing, for example, could be um, because we know already that uh, fatigue or being tired um, for the majority of the time is one of the symptoms of depression. So um, hence the person with depression is not necessarily very uh, uh, willing to engage in any activities. But for example, another question here could be, uh, well, how are your energy levels today, right? So we can uh, kind of probe in what sort of mood the person uh, with depression, our partner who is depressed, how they feel today. And then if let's say their energy levels are quite okay, uh, we can also ask uh, what kind of activities or things they are able to concentrate on, um, which would be the activities that would be enjoyable to them, for example, because it's uh, also not that uh, the person with depression uh, wants to stay home all the time. They may be very willing to um, go uh, for a walk with their partner, maybe, you know, to the park or around the lake or, or somewhere or do some other things together. Uh, they may not be able to focus on a movie that lasts for two hours, but uh, they may be able, for example, to watch a TV series that lasts 45 minutes, uh, one episode, or they may be willing to focus on um, a jigsaw puzzle, for example, because well, that's you have to focus on that too, but in a completely different way. So that's also important to to probe what sort of things the person, uh, our partner who is depressed, would actually like to do, because there are still some things they they may be very willing to do and that still may be enjoyable to them. And also another thing that is quite important, especially during those days that uh, look quite bad, and there will be that kind of days, even if your partner is already on medication, there are better days, there are worse days. So especially if you see that your um, depressed partner is really down, it may be of value to ask them whether they have some thoughts uh, about death, whether they are contemplating suicide, um, that's a bit of a sensitive topic, but um, sometimes it's better to ask um, than be sorry later. So that's also one of, of the things that you can ask your partner and and also show that you care whether they feel down or, or they don't. So um, that would be that kind of questions that, uh, that the person who uh, wants to be empathetic and wants to know a bit more about how their partner with depression feels, these questions would be quite good to um, to ask. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for explaining to us, and even me, for me, about what to say and what to not. As I said before, there are a lot of misconceptions and misinformation about what to say and how to support and usually we do that, as I said, out of, you know, from a good place with a good intention. But as you can see, sometimes even with a good intention, we are not asking the right questions. And I'm so glad that we did. Um, we are doing this uh, episode podcast um, to spread awareness, one, and secondly, to also correct some of the mistakes that, you know, most of us do. As I said, although we have good intention, but we lack, you know, the, the information, the right information. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very important to educate um, oneself on how depression works and what people with depression expect from those who are around them, especially their partners or other close family members. And um, another thing uh, that I would definitely um, advise here for everyone who has a partner with depression is also to be patient with them and be understanding. Because people with uh, depression, they are socially withdrawn. Um, They behave differently than they used to behave before their illness. Um, And also um, people with depression, they may be much more irritable than before. And pretty often um, they can react to different stimuli in a way that we wouldn't uh, expect. So a neutral stimuli can, for example, trigger crying or some other um, distress uh, in a person that is uh, diagnosed with depression. And all those uh, changes in the behavior and uh, all those, um, well, I don't want to say hypersensitivity, but you know, this other way of being sensitive to different things that before the illness uh, were actually quite neutral. Um, All that makes the spouse or the partner of the person who is diagnosed with depression to actually realize that these days their partner is a completely different person than the partner that... uh, that they used to know for the last years or the par- the person that they uh, met, um, you know, during the first date or, or something like that. And that can be quite challenging as well because you suddenly realize that uh, your partner uh, who fights depression, while they may be a completely different person from uh, what they were before, And that can be challenging, that can be frustrating, for example, uh, for many people, um, like when they see that their partners are not motivated anymore uh, to do different things that they used to enjoy, they are uh, dropping their passions, uh, they are also not energetic, they don't want to spend time uh, with their spouse or partner, so that's all quite difficult. But... um, What is uh, important here, as I've previously mentioned uh, briefly, is to realize that uh, this is because of the symptoms of the illness. This is because of the nature of the illness. That illness doesn't define uh, your partner. And if your partner goes into therapy, if your partner is medicated properly, they will at some point probably come back to that or close to that point from before the illness, but now, because of the illness, they are as they are. But that does not have to reflect in any way the way they see you or how much they are invested in the relationship, how much they love you. Um, It's just because of the illness. So that's important to understand. It is is important to understand and to be patient as well. I know it's not easy all the time, because as well, I mean, both, um, let's say, um, partners are going with a lot. I mean, the person who has been diagnosed with depression and the, the other person, the person they feel helpless. And it's not easy to see 
your partner, the person that you love, is going right now, but you cannot do actually much. Not an easy situation for both partners, and sometimes you just just hug or something can, can you know be comforting for both uh, partners or maybe your kid. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, and that's. That's uh, also another thing that is important is to initiate contact with your partner who has been diagnosed with depression. Because uh, due to the nature of the illness, people with depression, they are withdrawn. We know that already. Uh, For the majority of time, every day, they are not motivated in any way to initiate contacts with uh, others, even with their spouse who lives in the same apartment or house. Uh, or with other family members or friends. And people uh, with depression, they pretty much like to spend time with themselves in a separate room, for example, if it's possible. They lie on the bed, they don't do anything, or they just sleep. That's one of the symptoms as well, excessive sleeping. Um, So they will most likely not really initiate contact with anyone. Uh, But that does not necessarily mean that they don't want to do it. It's just because of the illness, they don't have motivation or the energy to do so. So it's also important that if you have your partner uh, with depression in the same apartment or the same house, and you are there with them, for example, during your free days uh, when you don't go to work, It is important to initiate contact with them. It's important to go to the room where where they prefer to stay, to sit there with them, even without doing anything, hold their hand or have a chat maybe about some neutral things. Uh, So that's that's one of the things that is also very, very important because um, regardless of the fact that people with depression are not prone to initiate contact with others it does not mean that they don't need that contact they actually need it but they don't want to ask for that and that's also because um, one of the symptoms of uh, depression is this guilt and uh, feeling that you are a burden to to others so that's also one of the reasons why they don't want to um, be a burden and ask for more contact or, or, or um, even from a spouse or um, so that's uh, that's also the nature of the, the illness so here the role of a partner would be to initiate contact with um, with the depressed partners as often as possible of course on the other hand it's also important to give the space to the person who is well, not feeling well um, don't overwhelm them with your presence but at the same time be there for them and um, well be knowledgeable um, that you have to initiate this contact yeah so that's that's important it is it is indeed important and it's so hard to feel like a burden and no one should feel in that way but as you said it's just the nature of the illness which reflects how much is hard to deal with all these feelings? Uh-huh. It's not an easy. It's it's a ta- challenging uh, situation. Um, so it is. It is. Yeah. I, as I said, it affects everyone who is close to the person who's been diagnosed. The whole family system. It's not only the person 
um, themselves, right, who struggles with depression that is affected by the illness, but all those around them are affected too. And that's why another um, very important thing to do when you have a partner um, who either has been already diagnosed or you very, very much suspect that they may have depression, Another thing to remember is to encourage their treatment and be there for them during their recovery process. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, depression is as it is. The symptoms are as they are. Um, and they have uh, their roots in how our body um, functions. So because of that, the vast majority if not all people who actually are diagnosed with depression, they will need treatment to recover. And that's pretty much uh, medication. So, but at the same time, a person who is um, depressed, uh, they see everything in dark colors. They have no hope or very little hope that things will get better. They don't have the energy. They lack motivation to do anything. So they also lack motivation to seek uh, for professional help and to, to seek for treatment. So that's why it is so, so important that if your partner is suffering from depression, uh, you should support them and encourage them to seek medical assistance um, because that plays a crucial role in their recovery. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's also important to do it in the right way, so not to push someone for example, to go to a doctor if they really don't want it. Uh, but nevertheless, um, it's important to make sure that at some point they get to that doctor. So um, in that respect here, uh, in terms of encouragement um, of the treatment, um, you can, for example, talk to your partner and um, try to um, convince them um, to make a doctor appointment and you can do it on the behalf of your spouse or your partner but as I said only if they are happy with this or if they even request that themselves of course don't make appointments with doctors or any other medical professionals uh, if your partner is completely against it um, because then they will probably not be willing to go anyway but uh, your role as a partner would be to encourage them to actually make that kind of an appointment because that's the first step to their recovery. And also you may accompany them um, to these appointments, um, at least to the doctor's office. You don't have to go into the uh, doctor's office uh, as such with them, but, you know, bring them there, come with them. Uh, give them a lift, you know, to make sure that they also get to that appointment. So that's like one thing. Um, also, you can share your concerns and thoughts about your spouse condition with them. So basically make this, uh, you know, tell them that uh, you are worried about their condition. You think that they may need some extra help in getting better. And also make them aware that uh, seeking medical uh, treatment, um, seeking uh, also other treatment, maybe psychotherapy, is something that is going to uh, help them, mm -hmm. is going to make them feel better. So that's also your role as a spouse, um, to make sure that uh, they have this awareness that without the treatment, 
very may never feel any better. So that's why it's important to encourage people with depression to actually receive some treatment. And also just express your desire to help. So you know, ask what, what else you can help them with. Is the, do they need any assistance with something? You know, so that's that kind of um, sort of normal things I would say that you would do to a, to a person that uh, you care about. And um, then if you manage uh, to get your partner to start the treatment, sometimes they are actually willing to do so. So not always it's a it's a such a challenge, but in some cases it can be. But once they are already in the treatment then you can support them in many other ways. For example, um, helping them keep track of their appointments and also their medications throughout the day because they, they may need to take different medications at different times. So sometimes it helps to uh, keep track whether your partner is actually taking your, uh, their medication and uh, whether they are doing it regularly. Also, um, you can support them by doing something that they still enjoy uh, doing together with you as often as possible. So go for a walk or take them for a ride in a car if this is something that they enjoy or watch a, watch a movie with them or a TV series or do some other activities, maybe play a board game, you know, something quite small, but something that still makes them more happy than uh, than just, you know, spending their time alone in a separate room, maybe. Then um, also mm -hmm. very many people uh, would uh, recommend uh, some physical activities uh, for a person with depression because it's also a natural way of releasing endorphins in the body. And you can do that kind of physical activity together. And as I said, uh, well, because the person with depression will probably feel quite low, on the energy and might be quite fatigued. We are not talking for about half marathon or something like that. But again, it's more about having a walk, maybe playing uh, badminton or some other, um, you know, uh, physical activity of that kind, but which is not super, super uh, demanding in terms of um, the energy that needs to be um, used on that. Um, also, you can um, try to reduce stressors in the home. So basically make the home environment friendly to the person who is depressed. Don't add um, any stressors that are not necessary. Um, that's, that's definitely something which is pretty straightforward, but um, well, you may not remember about that. Um, also encouraging your partner to socialize with other people. And as again, I said, they would be withdrawn if they are depressed. But at the same time, there might be some people that they still want to talk. For example, a friend that maybe had depression in the past and they know that they would understand them. Or some other friend who maybe didn't have depression in the past, but still they are so close with them and they've known them for so many years that they know that this friend will definitely empathize with them and support them. So encourage your partner to reach out to that kind of people. And then also point their progress uh, during their recovery. So if after a month or two or three months, you can already see some positive changes in your partner's behavior, well, definitely mention it to them. Tell them that you are proud of them, 
proud of the progress that they are making. So that's definitely the ways you can support them during their journey, during their recovery from depression. Well, even, you know, celebrating those uh, little achievements, even if there is not much of progress, but the fact that they are trying is already exactly. a winning, is already, you know, just being consistent in something that needs to be celebrated. Yes, of course. And, um, well, I mean, there might be little progress at the beginning because due to the nature of the medication, it usually takes at least a month um, to take some medication to see the results. And, of course, uh, the, it's an individual thing for some people. Um, those results can, uh, can uh, those positive changes can um, be coming quicker than for some others. But uh, nevertheless, if if your partner is in uh, treatment, if they take their meds, if they attend uh, maybe a support group or psychotherapy at the same time, there will be some progress at some point for sure. So start first, as, as you said, Rashida, with, um, well, just celebrating the effort that they make. But then I'm, I'm sure that there will also be some real progress to celebrate. And that's also very, very important to acknowledge that progress. Yes, indeed. It will help to motivate them um, to continue and it will bring that little joy to their hearts and then warmth as well. Um, now, Dr. Tira, as I said, this is a difficult situation for both partners and sometimes we feel also um, overwhelmed because we don't know how to what to do um, and caring for someone else with depression also can be energy consuming although as you said uh, sometimes we can do uh, now you help it understand what to do um, but what can we um, do to, to also take care of ourselves for, for the people who are caring uh, as well not reach that point of maybe burnout or maybe that point of where we feel overwhelmed or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. And uh, that's uh, very important to know that um, you have to also take care of yourself and you have to respect your own needs. Even in this difficult situation when you are the carer, you have to care for your partner, your spouse who is depressed, you nevertheless, you cannot forget about your own self-care and your own needs. Because if you forget about your own um, well-being, then at some point it will start becoming really, really challenging for you to care, um, for your partner to maybe go to work yourself, um, and you may even get some sort of a burnout in the process of caring um, for your partner, or you may also start um, becoming uh, depressed and get the actual symptoms of depression as well. And that's actually quite common for men who care for those spouses who are uh, diagnosed with depression. So that's important to um, to be aware that you don't only have to care about your partner, but you should also care about yourself. And as you said, living uh, with someone with depression and caring for them on a daily basis can become very draining. 
uh, frustrating. It can bring a lot of uh, different challenging emotions. Um, so if you have been caring for your partner for already quite a while, you may feel lost or you also may feel scared uh, that you cannot help them properly or um, that they can do something irreversible like a suicide uh, when you are not with them. And uh, that can also make you very, very anxious uh, and uncomfortable. And this all can be very difficult to handle. And as I said, it may even um, um, increase your risk of starting developing some depressive symptoms as well. Um, so this is why it is so important that you take care of your own mental health and well-being. And um, you can uh, do many things um, to do so. So, for example, try to stay positive, even during those uh, worst days that your partner may have during their recovery. And that will definitely happen at some point. Um, try to stay positive. Don't treat that kind of setbacks as something that is permanent. Just treat it as something which is a temporary. So be positive uh, about your partner's progress and uh, also that everything is going to end up well as long as they are in treatment and they do what they are told by their doctor or their therapist. Also, um, another thing would be to have realistic expectations about uh, your spouse's recovery process, because as I said, uh, it takes some time for some medication to uh, kick in uh, to start working. So be realistic about it. Don't expect that the first day they start taking their medication, they are going to be uh, happy-go-lucky because this is not going to happen. So have the patience and be realistic um, that the recovery process takes time. Then mm -hmm. um, also take... Uh, then also take uh, time for yourself. And uh, if you can, for example, ask someone else to stay um, with your partner, maybe their sibling or their uh, parents uh, sometimes, uh, just take that time for yourself, engage in some enjoyable activities and hobbies that you have. Maybe you want to go out with your friends to play golf or do something else. Um, you know, that's something that uh, everyone needs, like a small break from time to time is definitely a good thing. But uh, also make sure that your partner is not staying alone at home, especially if they have some suicidal ideation or uh, or they think about death, because that can be quite dangerous. It's always good to make sure that they are not uh, alone, but also make sure that you can actually take a break um, from your duties uh and just enjoy life uh, yourself as well so that could be also spending time with uh, your family and friends uh, and as i said ask for help from friends or relatives uh, if you need it if you feel that uh, you are overwhelmed you need this time off for example you need someone else to take over for a, a few hours uh, maybe during the weekend or during some other days uh, try to ask for help if, if it's possible, if your friends or relatives are living close by, then uh, probably they will be happy to help from time to time. And then um, just take care of your body, eat healthy regularly, get enough sleep, 
Uh, also exercise, especially if you have a habit of uh, doing regular exercises, then um, don't drop it, um, do your usual exercises. And uh, also what you can do is to attend a support group uh, for families of those um, that have been diagnosed with depression, because uh, in that kind of support groups, um, the environment there is safe, non-judgmental. You can say different things. Um, you can say how you feel. You will find people there who actually understand you because they go exactly through uh, a very similar or the same experience as you do. So that's also quite a good thing if you consider attending a support group for uh, for family members um, of people with depression. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, you just described uh, a good self-care routine for people who are actually uh, supporting someone with depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, just you know, stay stay optimistic uh, yourself as well, because um, well, as a as someone who has to care about uh, your partner who who is not in a very good shape. Um, and this may be at the very beginning of their treatment. Um, well, you as their only support quite often, you need to take a good care of yourself. Um, and um, also there are some things that you definitely shouldn't do um, when you are supporting your partner with depression. And I would also like to briefly mention those, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course, it is uh, very important. As yeah. I said at the beginning, uh... Of this episode, a lot of misinformation, and sometimes we try to make like a good place, but it sometimes it backfires. Those are the things that I also want to know. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because so, well, we can have the best of intentions, but um, if you are not uh, a trained psychologist, if you are not a medical doctor, you may not know that much about depression, but that's why I also recommend you to learn more about this condition if you have a close one who is suffering uh, from it. But uh, definitely there are some things that um, people may think could be helpful, but they actually are not helpful if you understand depression better and the mechanism behind it. So definitely the first thing would be not to invalidate uh, your partner's experience and uh, that's something that many people tend to do uh, of course unintentionally I must say that even as I am a trained psychologist I caught myself doing that sometimes when I spoke with my friends um, quite, an, quite a good example of that is that when you hear from someone they are telling you about the difficult experience or how difficult they feel because of this and this happening uh, you want to support them and you say something like, yes, I know I've been through it, you know, don't worry. It's, uh, but that's exactly what you shouldn't be really doing because everyone's experience is different. That's one thing. Um, something that worked for you maybe will not work for your spouse or your partner or another close person uh, of you who have been diagnosed with depression. So that's why we should... Um, we should really avoid uh, doing that. So don't invalidate how they feel uh, by offering them uh, that kind of good advice or, or even, you know, telling them that you were through a similar thing before and you've managed to overcome it. Um, because it also takes the focus 
uh, from there and it um, redirects it uh, on you. And if a person is depressed, um, they also kind of feel that, you know, they should uh, rather be in your focus. So it's something that, uh, that definitely I wouldn't recommend to do to um, give that kind of, you know, good advice. And, um, and that's um, so, for example, also tell them that, um, you know, they, sh they should get um, uh, themselves together or, you know, things will be better um, the next day or, um, well, they should not be that pessimistic. They should have more hope. Well, that's all nice to say, but it doesn't really bring anything uh, productive to the situation because of the nature of depression. As we spoke, um, that kind of good advice doesn't really work. So um, that's something to definitely avoid. Um, another thing is um, to tell them to stop overthinking. And with that one, I wouldn't be like 100% strict that you never can say that, uh, because there are some situations that uh, it can be helpful. Well, there are people with depression who are uh, very prone to rumination, but you can actually say that they have um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, in addition to depression. And in their case, it's more about uh, those negative uh, thinking, negative uh, thoughts coming all the time to their head rather than uh, washing hands 15 times uh, per hour. Uh, but um, OCD can also manifest as that kind of uh, very, um, very negative thoughts that are coming all the time and, and people can ruminate uh, on them. And in that case, sometimes telling them um, to stop overthinking and focus on something else may be actually a good idea. But of course, don't do it in a patronizing way. Don't say like, well, stop overthinking. Rather, you know, approach the person, um, say, okay, well, you, I can see that you're thinking about all those negative things. But uh, look, the, you know, the weather is sunny. Maybe you would uh, actually prefer to focus on going on a walk or something like that, you know. It's all about the way you, you approach the person. So I wouldn't say that, um, that uh, like stopping the overthinking and is always uh, not, uh, is always a bad idea, but uh, because sometimes it can be actually a good thing, but just uh, being mindful how you're doing it and how you are approaching your partner. Yeah. Don't, don't patronize them, like stop overthinking, stop doing that because that is not going to help. Um, then compare them to others. Um, we pretty often also try to um, show to people with depression that uh, their condition is, uh, you know, it's something that uh, is not like so super serious. And when we compare them to others, like, look, this person went through that and that and uh, they didn't get depression. Um, or this person is struggling with this and that and they are still holding on. And that's also something which is not good because every person is different. Every person um, that has depression or even the person that uh, doesn't have a depression, but, you know, the way how people deal, uh, how they handle different difficult situations in their life, that's different. That depends on uh, their experience uh, as children that they had in their family of origin, also other experience um, throughout their life. So you can't really compare one person to another. 
because um, and also you don't know the all the whole circumstances um, of the other person and of your spouse sometimes. So that's why comparing to others doesn't make any sense and it's only frustrating for the person uh, who is depressed because it kind of shows them that uh, you think that they are uh, overreacting or that uh, their depression is not real. That's like, uh, you know, something which is much over the top and that's definitely not going hel to help them in any, any way. So don't don't compare. And also don't judge and don't criticize them because getting angry, upset or criticizing them just for the sake of uh, criticizing is not going um, to help in any way. That's quite obvious, right? Just criticizing without giving any uh, solution that never works mm -hmm. in any life situation. And for a person uh, who struggles with depression, judging or criticizing or patronizing getting angry with them or being upset because of their condition can only make them become more withdrawn and they will even further prefer to isolate socially from you or also from other people because they they will be afraid that well other people can actually start doing the same so that's definitely not something that you want because you don't want your partner to isolate and withdraw even more especially if they are already in treatment and uh, well they are expected to make progress so definitely refrain yourself from being judgmental criticizing and judging them in any respect uh, in relation to their condition their behavior just be mindful and and remember that that's the illness that's not really your partner and the illness doesn't define their identity. It's something which is temporary and something that hopefully will go away completely. Well, um, thank you, Dr. Arasira, for really this very informative and rich content today. Um, we went throughout the things that we should do and throughout the things that we should not do. Um, I agree with you. I mean. I'm not a psychologist, I'm not an expert, and uh, I did not have de depression before. Um, I'm just only a mental health advocate, and this is why uh, we are doing this podcast today. And each case of depression is different. Even one can have depression, like um, in 2005, for example, and he will have, or he or she will have uh, another depression in, let's say, 2018 or something like that. Both cases are different. They are not the same depression, not the same. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we can only refrain from judging others and criticizing them. As you said, depression doesn't define the person. It's temporary, it could go away. Uh, this person needs our empathy, our kindness, our presence, our warmth, and, and you know, these kind of things. Um, we need to also protect ourselves because, as it's... Yes, of course, of course. Yeah, that's also an important yeah, part. Yeah, with a good self-care routine. And I truly hope that, you know, the audience will benefit from this podcast as much as I did myself. I managed to learn so many things from you. Thank you for that. I'm grateful for you.
Yeah, I'm grateful for you too. And I very, very much enjoy our um, series on depression because as we spoke before, that's an illness that uh, needs more attention. That has to be destigmatized. It has to um, become kind of like a normal illness, like a diabetes or something else. Not something that um, people um, think that is stigmatizing or uh, something that they should be ashamed of. Um, so that's why I, I really enjoy being here and uh, sharing my knowledge on depression with everyone. Um, because I hope that by doing so, we will um, bring more awareness to this topic and also bring uh, more knowledge um, to people. So um spread more education about depression and that's very very important indeed indeed so thank you again and we will wrap up this episode um with uh, your words and with you of course as for me the audience i will just ask them to take care of themselves and to see them in another episode another topic okay thank you very much thank you Take care of your body, mind, and soul.